All right. Today on the Doc on the Run podcast, we're talking about 300 pounds and running. Now, before we get started in this episode, if you're confused and you're not sure exactly what's wrong with you or what you can do, I actually did something recently. It was a presentation that we had called 12 Steps to rapid recovery from running injuries. And so this was a live presentation where I went through in order what I actually do with every single person who calls me for a consultation. So this is worth listening to. So it's only up for a limited time. We're gonna have some replays available. I think I did live, but if you got the invitation, you missed it, I'm sorry, but we do have some replays available because I got lots of emails afterwards asking for it for the people that actually couldn't show up for one reason or another. So we will have those available. If you want to get it, you can go to docontherun.com slash 12 steps and you should be able to access it there if it's still live whenever you're listening to this. That's one thing that might be really useful for you if you are confused. So let's cue up the theme song and then we'll get right into the episode. So the big question is this, how are runners like us who don't like hearing doctors say, just stop running, who know that we simply have to stay active, how do we heal in a way that lets us stay strong, maintain our running fitness, and keep preparing for the next race, and still heal without making the injury worse? Well, that is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Dr. Christopher Segler, and welcome to the Doc on the Run podcast. This, I think you're going to enjoy this show today because we got a special guest here. And this dude really was more than 300 pounds when he was starting to run. And, and his story is going to be useful for anybody who's recovering from a running injury, who has been through a running injury, because all of the stuff that he's talked about on the podcast episodes on his show that I've listened to uh, actually do really have uh, bits and pieces that just apply to everything that we have to do when we're injured. You know, so maybe you've taken some time off because you've been injured or maybe you took some time off because you spent way too much time in a fracture walking boot because some doctor told you to, uh, or maybe you took some time off just because you've been sitting around doing nothing during the, the pandemic. But irrespective of why, if you're a runner and you feel like you've been running just a little bit too slow and all you can think about is how to run fast, I can promise this discussion is going to help you today. And we're going to talk about why well, all that stuff's not really so bad and, um, and you're going to be okay. So the special guest we have here today, um, it's actually taken me a little while to get him on the show. He's busy. He's got a lot going on. Uh, but lucky for us, we get to sit down with Martinez Evans. And he is, he's the, the host of the 300 Pounds and Running Podcast Network. Um, he also runs the Slow AF Run Club. And he's the author of the Zero to Running Guide. And you, you may already know him from the 300poundsofrunning.com site or his, uh, his show, uh, but really glad to have him here today. So, Martinez, welcome to the show. Chris, thank you for having me, man. Yeah, my pleasure. Okay, so, um, so tell us the story, man. 300 pounds and running. It's hard, it's hard to like skip over that, um, that show when, you get, when you're combing through iTunes, looking at running stuff, and you're like, what? 300 pounds and running? <laughs> Uh, so, you know, I know that, um, that you, you don't have the average runner story, right? You're not somebody that like necessarily start out running like cross country in high school or something. It's just always been one of these runners. And, um, and I think that it, if I remember right, that you said like you weren't even exactly sure how much you weighed when you started running because like most of the scales quit working at 350. Yep. And yeah, so uh, I was hoping you could just tell us about that. I mean, where, you know, how is it that you really got to this point where, you, you know, the beyond the tipping point of the scales, so to speak? Absolutely, man. So let me take you back to 2012. Um, 
I was out of undergrad. I think I graduated undergrad 2009. Um, and before that, I played collegiate football. I played collegiate football for a year and a half and then, um, you know, graduated undergrad and things of that sort. So I was working at Men's Warehouse, slanging suits, man. I was a suit salesman, commission sales, selling you a suit on my feet all day, every day. Um, some of those bad habits that I took up from uh, playing collegiate football where a coach would be like, eat everything that's not uh, bolted down to the table. So I, I found myself in a predicament where um, I didn't know how much I weighed. And, um, you know, and then from there, I found myself in front of a doctor. So what happened was I walked into the men's warehouse, you know, I'm wearing these hard bottom shoes. I'm in a suit all day, every day. It's commission sales. So I'm there. 12 hours plus because, you know, you can't leave when you're on the commission. And um, I felt the sharp pain in my hip. I go to a doctor. One doctor leads to another doctor. And uh, next thing you know, I'm in, in front of an orthopedic specialist. And I remember walking in there and he's like, you know, well, what's going on? I'm telling him about my hip. Like, you know, got this hip pain, played football, things of that sort. And he was like, oh, okay. Well, I know what's wrong with you. And it's like, okay, like, just, just for me telling you, you got hip pain? He's like, it's because you're fat. And I'm like, what? He's like, it's because you're fat. So he goes on this whole tangent of like, you fat, you got a stomach and breast of a pregnant woman. <laughs> no, you need to, you know, lose weight or you're going to die. You need to start walking and all this other stuff. And like being the person I am, A, you're just not going to talk to me that way, but I'm also a very sarcastic individual. So I was like, like I hear all, all that stuff you hear, but like, I'm going to run a marathon. And he laughs. And he's like, you run a marathon? Like, that's the most stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. It's like, you run a marathon, you would die. So we get into the, like this big argument. Um, you know, people looking and things of that sort. So I storms out the doctor's office and I drive home. As I, and as I'm driving home, uh, I drive past this running shoe store. So I, I made an illegal U-turn. And stormed inside the running shoe store and said, I need running shoes and I need them now. You really did it right then? Right then and there. Wow. Yeah. So um, got the running shoes, got home, got on the treadmill and couldn't run longer than 30 seconds. Fell off the treadmill. I felt like my body was rejecting the treadmill or the treadmill was rejecting my body. Fell off that bad boy. Um. And like, that was the journey, uh, you know, going home with, you know, a tear in my eye, thinking like this doctor might be right. And as I reached for the doorknob, I have this tattoo on my wrist that says no struggle, no progress. And I remember looking down at it as I reached for the doorknob and being like, okay, well, I know what I got to do there. And that was the journey of 300 pounds of running, man. That was the start. I started the blog um, very shortly afterwards. and um, been running ever since, you know, over a hundred different races, eight different marathons, running strong. Yeah, you know, it's 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 fascinating to me, you know, as a physician hearing your story. Like, first of all, the idea that some doctor would talk to you that way and then laugh at you when you do something you're gonna do something that's obviously really good for you, and that they would just be so dismissive. But I know that there is that. And there's also really interesting history in medicine around all this stuff too. There was a, I can't, his name escapes me at the moment, but there was a physician who um, was in Texas. I believe he was in Dallas and 
in the seventies, he wrote a book suggesting that run that people with heart disease should start running to try to, to get healthier. Right. He literally almost lost his license. They had a board action against him and he had to go before the Texas medical board and defend himself because the board said it was irresponsible to tell people to jog for health reasons and that people would be dying everywhere of heart attacks if they started doing that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you think about that now, it's completely insane, but that's like, you know, the medical board is supposed to watch out for the welfare of the medical community, make sure that people aren't selling snake oil and stuff. And the idea that this guy almost lost his license because he was going to tell people to run to get healthier. It's just unbelievable. Um, but that is, you know, um, sort of the history of medicine in this. And it is a uh, part of the, the deal. So, um, you know, I know that that probably, I mean, obviously that was really struck you because you did take action immediately, which is really the crucial piece, right? You didn't sit around and think about it. You didn't get home and like, ah, oh, you know, think about it. like have the thoughts of that idiot doctor spinning through your head and convince you that you shouldn't do that. You just did something. You went and right. bought some shoes. And sometimes that's all it takes, man. Like hire a coach, sign up for a race, do something, right? But it's often like the one little thing that gets us in motion that makes a big difference. And, you know, so, I mean, so I know that that couldn't have been easy though. Yeah. You did something and yeah, you've, you obviously like, you've got this tattoo that reminds you, you know, about what your real attitude should be. And, uh, but how, you know, that must've taken a lot of courage. I mean, really and truly to, to go from somebody wearing a white coat who supposedly knows what they're talking about with a bunch of degrees hanging on the wall and stuff that you paid for advice really. And they tell you you're crazy. So how did you get up the courage really and truly to go do that? You know, first marriage. Man, like, um, I was reading somewhere. It's like anger and spite can be your, like your motivator and your biggest dying foul. But like, for me, it was the biggest motivator. I was like, screw this doctor, man. Like who, who is he? Yeah. To tell me I'm going to die um, if I run a marathon. Like, yeah. who is this guy? Yeah. So, you know, when I was, uh, I don't know, my early 20s, I, I raced motorcycles and I had to have a couple of different knee surgeries. And one of them was a big reconstruction. And um, the guy that did my surgery, I mean, he was a good guy. You know, he taught orthopedics at the University of Texas Medical Center, you know, uh, solid dude, nice guy and everything else. But after my reconstruction, he said, you cannot run. If you run within 10 years, you will have to have a knee replacement. You're too young for that because it won't last long enough on you. And, uh, and well, I've done, you know, lots of marathons. I did 15 Ironman triathlons and, you know, I mean, one year I did a marathon of four Ironmans, you know, and so I run a lot. I run all the time still. And I swear every time I go to Houston, Every time, like I'm flying into Houston, I see the Texas Medical Center. I'm thinking, I need to go see if Dr. Harvey's there and tell him he had no idea what the hell he's talking about. Because I've been running for 30 years and my knee's fine, you know. Right. Um, but but it also says, you know, the doctors, like we always think the doctors know what they're talking about, but it, you're getting the doctor's opinion. Mm-hmm. You're not getting fact. And it's real important to remember that, you know, particularly when you, you want to run and some doctor says you can't run because that's crazy. Um, all right. So, um, so tell me about this. I mean, you know, I would imagine your first couple runs were not graceful and easy, right? And, you know, 
you also had an injury, right? Like your hip was hurting. So if your hip is hurting standing in a men's warehouse, I'd have to imagine when you started training, that didn't make that pain better, did it? And, you know, I mean, so how'd you maintain a mindset to keep going? Was it just like, I'm going to get that doctor? You know? So it was, it was a mixture of things. So it was screw this doctor. I'm going to, I'm going to do this. And then the other thing is that, of course, I found another doctor. I found another doctor and that doctor prescribed me for physical therapy. So while running, um, and the other thing is that, let me step back for a second, is that I wasn't running super overly long either. Like my first run was 30 seconds, even though I fell off the treadmill. Like I wasn't running miles. Like it was more like minutes. Right. No, I remember when I celebrated when I ran like my first 20 minutes straight. Yeah. So um, like it, it wasn't like I was out there running miles. Right. Um, the second thing is that physical therapy, physical, yeah. physical therapy did wonder. So in order to um, go to physical therapy and be like, oh, yeah, you, you just got hip bursitis. Like, let's work on, you know, figuring out how to get this inflammation down and build the muscles around that capsule. In order so you can do the things that you can do. So like during that process of starting to run, luckily I had a physical therapist that was uh, helping me out and cheering me on along along the way to say, hey, um, I have this goal. I want to run a marathon and him being like, "Okay, well, let's let's figure out how to get you there. What are the muscles we need to strengthen? And, you know, let's go on that process versus being like you're fat, man you're going to die and things of that sort. Right. Well, so, you know, I mean, all day I work with injured runners and the people that call me, it's not like a runner gets plantar fasciitis or something and they just call me. The people that call me, like 99% of them are people that got a stress fracture. They go to the doctor. The doctor says, yeah, I don't see anything on your x-ray, but you have a stress fracture. And they're like, what? You know, that you don't see a crack, but it's broken. Well, what is it? What are you going to do? Well, you're going to come back. Here's your boot. Don't run. Don't do anything. Come back in a month and we'll do another x-ray to see if there's a crack. And they're like, wait a minute, just can everything because you don't see anything. But you said I had something you can't see. What are you talking about? Right. And and then they go back and they're like, yeah, we don't see anything yet. So wear your boot for another couple of weeks and we'll see in a couple of weeks. And they're like, screw this guy. They start looking around and they find me and they're like, can I run? And I help them figure that out. But it's frightening, right? Like, because you know, you, your doctor told you not to run because your foot's broken. You don't really understand what's going on, but that's a really common thing. And so a lot of people, you know, they lose their fitness because they've been in a fracture walking boot all this time, maybe way too long. Maybe they didn't need to be in one at all, but they lose their fitness. And then that's really demoralizing. So like with the runners that you coach and the people you work with, you know, if you had somebody who was doing great, because most people, when they get a stress fracture, they're doing awesome when they actually get the injury. Right. And you know, they're getting ready for a race or something. They got a lot of fitness. And then when somebody loses all that fitness because they haven't been running for weeks or months, and then the doctor finally clears them to run, like, what would you tell them given what you've been through? Oh man. Uh, don't <laughs> where your mind is at and where your body is at. It's two different things. <laughs> your mind is still back in the past. That's right. But your body <laughs> We need to work on that. So I think that's the first thing, right, is um, making sure that we are properly um, increasing your 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 training at a rate where you won't injure yourself again. Right. You know, that's a terrible tool, doing things too fast, too soon, too much. Yep. You know, I was just, I was listening to one of your episodes from a while back, 
And I remember, and I don't know how long ago it was, but it was, I remember it was like you were, you were just launching the slow AF run club and, and you're talking with your coach and you're talking about that process. And you were like, man, you know, you give me 18, you're only getting nine. You give me four, you're only getting two. And I'm like, as you get what you get, I'm too stressed out right now. I got too much going on. I'm just not doing it. And like, it takes a lot of balls to tell your coach, you tell me 18 and I'm only doing nine because that's all I can take right now. But that is crucial. And when I lecture at conferences to physicians, I tell them over and over, I'm like, running does not cause stress fractures. They're called stress fractures, not run too much fractures. So if you got somebody who's working hard, their boss is an asshole, they hate the project they're on, their kids are delinquents, they're all stressed out, and then they do their normal training, they're going to get a stress fracture. All those things compound, and you really have to pay attention to that. But it's hard. So, I mean, when I was listening to that over and over and over, I was like, man, I can't tell this. I can't believe this dude just tells his coach, yeah, too bad. You'll have to get it later, you know. Uh, but this is really important, right? I mean, it's, uh, it's really a serious part of it. So, you know, now it's been, like you said, you took us back to, to what, 10 years ago right in your story and so now it's been 10 years of you going through this whole process and uh so you were seriously overweight now you run marathons you do whatever you want to do you can train for running fast you can train for running marathons you can train for whatever you want and you know all this is possible because you got a decade of experience doing it right, right. so this isn't theory you know it because you did it so uh you know if you talk to somebody um who's trying to figure out how they can go through this, where they've been told, look, you're morbidly obese. You're going to die if you don't do something. What's the one piece of advice you would give them? Uh, the first piece of advice I'll, I'll tell them is that if they want to do this, is that it's going to look different from what you have in your mind. Period. What you have in your mind, what have you seen in the Olympics, where have you seen your friends do, it's going to look different. Don't beat yourself up for it. Start there. Start where you at. It's, it's where you're going, not where you started. So it's all about that, right? I, I think that's one of the things that I'm always telling the people that I'm coaching is that it's it's not where you start, it's where you're going. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, so, I mean, I know that uh, most of the time people are asking about this physical transformation, you know, where you're just losing weight, you know, you, you, you sure you feel better and all that, but it's a physical transformation that most people focus on. And I mean, and that's all incredible. Like, I'm not trying to diminish that. Um, but I think that what happens also is that, like, I remember somebody saying to me that, um, like, when you finish your first marathon, it changes who you are. Like, it, like, you're a different person then, you know, because, I mean, and honestly, man, the first marathon I did, I really and truly did not know if I could finish it or not until I was, like, two miles from the finish, you know, and I was, like, I could hear the finish line, and I was, like, wow, I'm actually going to do this, yeah. and it does change you, right? So, you know, with all that you've been through through your journey, not the physical part, but mentally, emotionally, spiritually, like, you know, how do you think you've been changed as a person in terms of, you know, you, your core, your ability to help other people with their struggles just because of this past you've been on? Um, running has taught me that I can literally do anything I want to do. Like, literally, anything I want to do is, is, is really about me making my mind up for it mm. and knowing that it's going to be work to get there, but that work gives you a lot of reward. And it's something about going through 18 week, 20 week training program and being able to 
run the race and just talk to people, experience all the things that happens during our, throughout the race, whether it's talking to people, giving high fives, all that stuff that happens, right? Listening to your favorite songs, listening to an ebook, and then go through all of that and know that there's going to be some struggle there and really enjoy it because really you are experiencing things that a less than the pop- 1% of the population in the world has done. But the other things that you're experiencing stuff that, that most people would never be able to experience on foot. Prime example, I ran um, big Sur marathon. I didn't finish it, but I ran it and being able to experience Big Sur on feet. So for those who don't know, Big Sur is, you know, is, is, is in um, Carmel, Tennessee, or Carmel by the Sea. Uh, it's on Route 1 on Ca- in California. Route 1 is a two-lane highway. They shut down Route 1 for six to seven hours for you to run that race. Imagine running Route 1 and seeing all the things by the sea that you could never see because Route 1 is always open and cars is flying down that road. Uh, that's a good point. I mean, it is a unique experience, right? Like, and it is different. Like uh, a lot of times I do house calls. And so, you know, it's, it's interesting even driving around the San Francisco Bay area, like what a difference it is being on a motorcycle versus being in a car in terms of like the way things smell, what you, you know, all the whole experience, right? It's totally different. And, uh, and when you're running, it's a completely different thing. It's almost like different scenery you know? Uh, right. so yeah, that is amazing. Um, all right. So listen, I know with all the runners you work with, there's just, you know, you take people, you're training, you're getting stronger. And sometimes the soft tissue increases faster than the bone. Sometimes the muscle strength increases faster than the tendon strength, whatever. And people get injured. Um, that's part of running, you know, um, you can't go water skiing without getting wet. And, pretty hard to run without at some point getting some kind of overtraining injury because it can happen, you know? Um, but what do you think if, you know, what, if you had some advice in terms of trying to avoid an overtraining injury, what would that be? Oh man, rest, rest and recovery. I think this is something that a lot of people take for, take for granted. Um, and it, it, it's so much of importance that, uh, in, in my book that I just got done writing, uh, that'll be out next year. Um, I, I spent a whole chapter on rest and recovery. Mm. So how important that it is a part of running. It, it's, I would say rest and recovery is one of the most important things about running that's non-running that you need to really focus in and um, really hone in on that to really figure out like what is your recovery strategy. I know a lot of people, when we talk about running, it's like, all right, all right, this is where I'm going to run. This is when... You know, every 15 minutes, I'm going to have a sip of water. Every 45 minutes, I'm going to have a goo. You know, I'm, I'm doing all these things when it comes to the actual run. Like, what are your, what is your recovery routine? Like, is it, I'm scaling back every three weeks instead of four? Yeah. <laughs> or am I, am I foam rolling? Am I taking ice baths? Am I going to cryotherapy? Am I getting massages or uh, acupuncture or like seeing a, a physical therapist? Like, what are the things that you're doing? While you're not running, it's going to make you so much better runner, so much of a better runner when you're actually in it. Yep. Yeah. Whenever I'm lecturing at conferences, almost every time during one of the question and answer periods, some physician asks me, 
what is, you know, what do you think is the one strategy that helps runners avoid injury the most? If there's one thing, what would it be? And my answer is always the same. I just tell myself like sleep is the most abundant and most underutilized resource available to runners in training. And if you just add a little bit of sleep when you're doing your hard workouts, long runs, all the really arduous stuff that you know does tissue damage, I bet that would fix a huge proportion of overtraining injuries. Because you do not get stronger when you run. You get stronger when you recover after hard runs. Exactly. And everybody wants to think that that, you know, wanting to throw up when you're doing that last lap at Keysar is somehow that's going to be what makes you strong. No, that's what does damage. you got to go repair that damage. But if you don't give yourself the opportunity to repair it, you're, you're hosed. You know, there's just no way around it. So Yeah. And, I, and the other thing is, like, we were just having this conversation about, whether or not I'm training for a marathon this year right. and really like listening to your body to say, you know what, maybe I don't need to run a marathon this year. Maybe I can do a half. Like maybe I can have fun during doing 10 K's and like really work on like what my five K pace looked like and things of that sort for this season. And just taking that time off away will give you that a you're building different muscles when you're working on 5k, 10k versus like running at a half, uh, running at a full marathon. But then you, you, you start to like cherish like the race a lot more just by taking a step away from it for a little bit. Yeah, no, that's awesome. All right. So uh, I got only a couple more questions for you, but one of them, I know your book zero to running, you know, part of the reason I really wanted to have you on the show was that I know that the principles that you have in that book can help people who recover from running injuries. Um, because it is the same thing. It's this whole idea of like, you know, you see somebody on Instagram and you want to be able to look like them when you run, you know, you hear these stories from your friends about their, you know, everybody's posting pictures of their, their GPS watch showing how many miles they ran and how fast and everything else. And, you know, your book, though, I think is really instrumental and can be helpful to lots of people who have been injured. And so, you know, what I want to know is like how you think recovering runners, you know, those people that are coming back to activity could use your, the book Zero to Running and take your principles to begin running again after they've had whether it's surgery or they've had an overtraining injury or they've just been sitting around doing nothing during the pandemic and they're trying to get back into it. But they think that they have that fitness or should have that fitness they had back in like 2019. You know, how would that book help them? So first things first, the book will help you understand that, <laughs> as my uncle would say, you got to leave that in the past. But <laughs> one of the things that I really like about Zero to Running, as well as the other book that I just got done writing, is, is the fact of looking at running, running from a beginning mindset over again. Like, yes, you know what you know. Yes, you may have ran so many marathons and triathlons and things of that sort. We're really taking a step back and like really look at runner running at a beginning mindset again and really think about like we're you're gonna starting all over again so like learn something new in the new process even that's like for doctors right you got to go to conferences you got to get continuing education i think the same thing it is for running as well is that you got to get some type of running continue education whether that's reading my book or additional books on like understanding what are the new knowledge um, when it comes to running all over again. Yeah, no, that's awesome. All right. So also real quick, maybe you just tell us about the slow AF run club. What does AF stand for? Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about the run club though. Like, you know, 
Um, why did you start it and what can it do for runners? Oh man. So I started this run club based off of this one principle or this one issue is the back of the pack is the under celebrated population of running. However, we're the, we're the individuals who are raising money for charity. We're spending a lot of time training, you know, we're, we're spending just amount as much as time training as the other individuals, but we're getting the short end of the stick, whether it's, whether water's not there, running out of metals, um, taking down signs and all this other stuff. Right. And I remember I wrote a article called um, the open letter to race directors from the back of the pack. And the line was like split. It was almost as split as like the debate of to wear a mask or not wear a mask during COVID. <laughs> and like, that's how, that's how split it was. Of like, you had one people on one side of like, Oh, shut up, lose fake, lose weight and get faster. And he had other people on the other ends like, yes, I experienced the same thing and I'll never run again. Like, I'll never run a race again. So for me, it was really a thing of like, I like running races. I like running races. And I know there's other people out there who also like running races. Like, what would it look like to get all these people together so that we can then share um, all the tips of the trade that we learn, right? Whether it's how do you look for a race that's uh, back of the pack friendly or like um, these are the things that I take um, during my race, like whether it's my hydration pack and things of that sort. So just sharing, sharing tips of the trade. And that's how the run club got started. That in addition to during the same time, I wrote, uh, I created a shirt that just said slow AF on my, uh, on my friend of my chest. And people was like, Hey, like, can I buy that shirt? And I didn't have it available. And I was like, well, let's make it available. Mm-hmm. So the mixture of like me preventing, uh, pro- providing these shirts and then like this need of like having a communicate uh, community and people who bought the shirts is like, Hey, like, are there other individuals who bought the shirt? Can we get together? Became the Slower Front Club. That's and awesome. now uh, we have about 10,000 members worldwide. Um, we do training plans. We do uh, group fitness section, uh, sections in there. And it really became like its own thing, man. Like we have our own Apple, iOS, and Android. And it's really that place. Like I call it the Slow Runners like Oasis because we're there to – uh, love on you when you need to be loved on, but we also there to provide training and motivation for you as well. That's fantastic. All right. So, uh, you know, if people want to work with you directly, they want to ask you questions, they want to get coaching from you, they want to find your show, where's the best place for them to track you down and get a hold of you? Absolutely. Um, all things 300 pounds of running on the internet, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at 300 pounds of running three zero zero spell out pounds and running. Um, you can also find me at 300 pounds of running.com. And then I'll love to have you at the slow F run club, slow F run club.com, or you can download the slow F run club app on iOS and, and Android. Nice. All right. So we're going to have links to all those things, all these places where people can follow you, connect with you, get a hold with you, reach out to you. We'll have them all in the show notes at docontherun.com under the podcast tab for this particular episode. Um, so check it out. Go find Martinez, track him down, join the Slow AF Run Club. And uh, Martinez, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It was really, you know, really great to have you here. Awesome to hear your perspective and your story as well. And I really appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule to do it. Thank you for having me, man.